Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You know, we prepared to buy a car seat in a coach, right? And so we should prepare and put aside money to see a woman's health physiotherapist. So, you know, we should prepare for these things. Um, we should have a postpartum plan that talks about, you know, who is the woman's health physio in your region? Who are the lactation consultants? What are the maternal mental health services? Put aside that money, know who and where to go. The fourth trimester. What is it? What does that even mean? We've done the hard yards with the pregnancy and the birth. Can't we just focus on the baby now? I had no idea what the golden months were. I went back to work part-time, four weeks postpartum with my son. It was a terrible mistake. I was depleted and unwell for months. I started having conversations about why taking care of the mother is so vital during this season of motherhood. How can we support her? I promised myself that I would do things differently if there was another baby. So this is it. Conversations with leading experts that cover every angle of the fourth trimester. The best bit is while you're listening, I'm giving birth and putting all of this into practice. It feels indulgent and excessive, but I think that's a problem with our society. We don't honor the mother enough, her healing, her experiences. So today, we start. Renata is a registered nurse and midwife, and her mission is to help new mums find their footing as they transition from mum to mother in the fourth trimester. Renata believes women are grossly underprepared and encourages them to learn about the fourth trimester just as they do pregnancy, labour and birth. She's also the founder of Lila Jasmine, a fourth trimester education portal, as well as New Zealand's only lactation bar. Renata, welcome to the fourth trimester. Thank you. You are a midwife and a registered nurse, but you work predominantly as a midwife. That's correct. Um, although I have both registrations right now, I'm just working in a tertiary hospital um, in Hamilton, New Zealand. Okay, because this we've we've been exploring the fourth trimester with lots of different experts and specialists, but I thought it would be really interesting to talk to a midwife because you're obviously there front and centre during mm-hmm. the momentous occasion. And then, do you do much aftercare with your patients? I do. So we work in a, a, a unit called Women's Health. And so what happens is I turn up to work and I'm sent wherever that is, there is a need. And quite often that's the postnatal ward. So I spend a, a lot of my time there helping these brand new mums. How long have you been in this industry now? Look, I've probably been in healthcare coming up 15 years, um, but I've been a midwife for about seven or eight. Are you seeing a trend? Are you seeing women coming in? potentially like with some skills and education around birth and then at a bit of a loss with what to do post-birth? 
Absolutely. I see such a knowledge deficit with postpartum care, whether that's self-care or caring for their baby. You know, we spend all this time preparing for pregnancy and I get it like pregnancy is so exciting um but you know then you take this baby home and the reality sinks in and you think what on earth do I do now <laughs> like it is shocking to the body you know you really don't know what to do and because of that uh I've developed a workshop actually for women to learn about the fourth trimester can we talk about the workshop without giving all your secrets away because people sure um, people can access your website and your Instagram in the show notes because uh-huh. everyone's going to want to know more. But uh-huh. can we discuss, I guess, the pillars of that workshop and why there's a need and, and if you're seeing that closing the gap? You know, what I see most is uh, people really overwhelmed and troubled when they go home and not knowing what to do. Um, and so we've picked like core fundamental things that I guess as a midwife, I really like our bread and butter, but you know, to someone who is taking a baby home for the first time, you know, it's kind of been likened to like motherhood secrets. You know, we talk about breastfeeding and we talk about safe sleep and your pelvic floor and your postnatal body, like your body changes so much. Um, so it's like what to expect there. And we do, do a little bit on relationships and parenting. And then a, a big part of that is postnatal depression and the baby blues. Is the aim to give the mother or the family unit enough information to go away and feel informed just like you do with birth is that the the goal yeah it is to make them help them find their footing so that when they go out there they have the confidence to know what it is that they're seeing or experiencing and then where to go to get the additional help that they need you know how to access a lactation consultant uh what resources available for postnatal depression uh what uh sleep you know there's a plethora of sleep devices uh, you know available I bought all of them I bought every (laughs) single thing (laughs) you know so it's like some of it is just telling them you know what's good and what's not good and this is more and how to dress your baby and how to how do you know that your baby is getting enough milk because you will fret over that you will fret over knowing whether or not your baby slept enough or whether or not your baby's full or has it pooped enough you know and so it's like these sorts of things so that you have confidence in your mothering you know I I think you've just nailed it because I'm having my second child, so things uh-huh. are slightly different. I'm, I'm still terrified in all the same ways. <laughs> but I think the first time you really do, like I really invested in my birth plan and my education around the birth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I didn't realise the amount of support or the village that I needed to put in place. And what I would do was, um, you know, the baby gets unsettled for numerous reasons and you would go online and Google a different kind of um, sleep suit or one, yep. you know, like a miracle yep. suit and this suit and that suit. And I bought all of them. You're, you're, you're spending so much money because you're right. so desperate. There is, if you're at that point where you're like, I will give you my home. If yep. you can just, you know, like, if you can give me some stop. sleep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting thing is also some awareness. You know, we have a lot of 
there's the taboo stuff that comes with birth, right? Like yeah. splitting vagina and the pooping and the, yeah. the, the the blood and the vomit and all of the things of that it. no one really wants to talk about. We just want to talk about, oh, it's really painful and this yeah. and that. But I think we need to also talk about when we go home with baby, yeah, the reality of yeah, you will be at times terrified, you know, and out of your depth and that is also okay. It's a little bit of priming. What would you say? Because you've been in, I mean, you're in this world. Uh What do you want the parents listening now to know? Like they're they're just about to leave hospital. You know, the first six weeks is intense. What, What do you want them to know? I want them to know that they are capable, you know, and that they can achieve whatever sort of parenting style that they, you know, set out to do. I want them to feel prepared um, you know, in our workshop, I talk a lot about preparing a postpartum plan, you know, because we prepare a birth plan, right? We talk about where we want to go have, give birth, who we want there, what music we want playing. But what about when you go home? Like who who is going to be available to call on when you need, you know, some rest or some time out or who would be willing to drop you meals or uh, who are some friends that can be sounding boards who have been through this before, you know, because it's quite isolating having a baby for the first time. Um, and, you know, uh, we uh, everybody likes to tell the good story, okay? They like to say, you know, my baby's doing really well or, or appear as if they've got everything under control. And that's when the cracks form, you know. It's about I want them to know that there is support there and that, you know, with the right preparation, they're going to be okay. Because I think that we, you know, this is so funny. I think as soon as you have a baby and the baby's not sleeping or it's crying, everyone goes to colic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> colic or reflux. Yeah, reflux. It's like, um, and that's true for a lot of babies, but it it's is. really not true for a lot as well. And Great. I think we all go there because the mystery of why the baby is crying, you know, is this. Yeah thing like okay if all its needs are met it's not wet it's not um you know it's rested it's fed blah 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 I think it's also okay to just go that's what it is yes yeah so I don't sugarcoat it like I want you to know the realities (laughs) of motherhood you know like I talk about or I you know we should know that babies just cry sometimes you know and we can't fix it. Sometimes it's relative to growth. Sometimes they just need a cuddle and some skin to skin, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we can't sugarcoat it. They just cry sometimes. And I think that, it, look, it is re- it's maddening as well. Like I do want to oh, say that, yeah. like a crying babe, they use that as a torture method yeah. in some places, like the headphones with just babies yes. crying on the loop. It is. It is torture. <laughs> um, and when you're adding in sleep deprivation and That's right. pain management from birth, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. So what you need to know is like, you know, some strategies on how to cope with that, how to bide that time, um, because it's not forever. Um, it's usually only a couple of hours and lasting for, oh you God, know, a couple so of long. weeks. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. So what do you say <laughs> some strategies are for us to cope? You know, my favorite of all time is I really believe in fresh air and how that can fix things. Um, so my favorite is popping in some headphones so that you can't hear your baby crying oh God. and go and going for a walk, putting your baby in the pram or in the front pack and getting out, 
you know, pounding the pavement, <laughs> getting know, some fresh air. Like a screaming child, but you've got their headphones on. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, totally. Oh you know, I, people are just judging you like she's <laughs> lost her mind. She's not <laughs> attending to her crying. No, because you know what will happen? That baby will just doze off to sleep. That movement will just that baby will doze off. I, I can almost guarantee that. So many times I've put my boys in the pram, popped something in that I want to listen to and done a lap of the block. And before I even get home, they're asleep. Wow. And you know, you're going to feel good. The baby's going to have slept. Um, you know, also like bathing, baby massage, skin to skin, uh, sometimes just rocking and swaying with your baby is, you know, the only thing you can do to get through it. Is baby massage really useful? Because for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got enough to do for you. If anyone <laughs> needs a massage, it's me. You know, you are really okay. You've just come out the womb. What's so stressful? Yeah. I think, I don't know if I would make it like a thing. It would be kind of like if I had bathed the baby as I was dressing them, I would give them a wee massage, but okay. I wouldn't like carve out some massage time, no. Okay, yeah, because I know it is a big thing and there's lessons on it and yes, everything. Yes. people are really investing into it, which is beautiful. I yes. should do that. Um, <laughs> there's just, it seems like, it seems like there's a lot for us to consume and then grow with rapidly as new parents, right? I think Dr. Oscar Sellerak said it's the, the mother's brain, it's the time it develops the most ever. Oh, yeah. So there are these huge shifts but with the little baby, because I know there, um, the Wonder Weeks app has the leaps and that's really helpful yep. as well to c- kind of gauge what's going on for your bub. But at what time do you, and this is quite a controversial question, mm-hmm. but at what time do you believe, okay, the baby knows now and it's like just, it, it's kind of, it just wants, you know, it like it doesn't want to sleep. You know, it doesn't want to sleep. It wants your attention. Like it's a very controversial question, so I don't very. want to like upset you. It's okay. You. I um, do have a position on this, so it's okay. Because okay. <laughs> I know some are like, you know, it's like the cruelest thing to leave a baby yeah. crying and then others are like they need structure and they need sleep and, they, you know, so yeah. tell me what you think. I don't think there is a place for structure in the fourth trimester. I think there is just too much growth and learning happening there. But I did parent from a place of sleep routine um, after the fourth trimester. I do think that babies kind of learn and, and pick up patterns. And, and so, yeah, I, I do think that after the fourth trimester, it's okay to adapt some sort of routine um, regarding sleep and feeding and that sort of thing. So we're talking when they're three months? Yeah, at, at, at least three months. Um, I, I would probably sit more in the six-month basket. That was okay. that would be probably where I would be. And I know it's controversial. I know that some, you know, you're either for it or you're not. Yes, and it's a very personal thing, and that's why I want this to be non-judgmental. I just want you're a midwife and you see it, and I know every midwife has a different perspective as well. And I think really, like, no – I mean, sure, there's probably been some studies done on, on you know, sleep training and things like that. I, I don't know the outcomes of those. But what I do know is you have to be okay. So if you're not coping with whatever is you're doing, right. you just gotta, you've just got to do whatever you need to do to yeah, be that's, that's okay. That's a really nice thing to say. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't really matter what the research says because if, it, if it's not 
helping you. Yeah. Mm. Then yeah. Because I love, I really love the idea of co-sleeping. Like that idea for me is so delicious. But when I went to the reality of that, I couldn't sleep because I was so Yeah, the noises, (laughs) the drunk, the farting. And then also just I was so conscious of not waking them or moving them. And so I was just so, you know, I'm quite neurotic. I was just like a mess. Um, And I think that that's also the thing is you can want something and then it also not work for you. And that's okay. Sometimes we beat ourselves up about not doing what is supposed to be the right thing or perceived right thing, but it doesn't matter. It's like breastfeeding. Like it doesn't matter how your baby's fed, you know, yes. it, re- it really doesn't. What matters is that you're okay with how you're feeding your baby. I mean, we've discussed some things like um, looking at support for um, postnatal depression cues and lactation and sleep and things like that. Is there a time, because, you know, it's bloody overwhelming. So is there a time that you're just like, that's normal overwhelm and then there's time that you need help? Yes, there is. There definitely is. So uh, the baby blues peaks at about day three because the hormone estrogen falls 100 fold at that time. So that is why many, about 80% of women actually will feel tearful and overwhelmed at that point. You know, so many times I've walked into a postnatal room and just found a woman crying and then she'll blurt out, I'm so sorry. I have no idea why I'm crying. And I, I know why. Um, and so I tell her why, and that will subside by day 10 to 14. If Holy so, moly. Yeah. I thought it was just a day thing. <laughs> no, day 10 to 14, it sort of like equalizes. Uh, however, if you're going to go on to develop postnatal depression, then that would be outside of that time frame, And you, that's why it's so important that you know the signs and symptoms of postnatal depression so that you can seek some help. And so could you just rattle off some of the signs and symptoms? Absolutely. Um, so you would sort of feel extreme overwhelm. You would notice a change in your sleep and eating often, um, feeling hopeless, worthless, uh, even some detachment from your baby and family and partner can be, can occur. Uh, and then also thoughts of suicide. Or harming. Yes, or harming. Okay. Because a few of those are blurry, you know, that could still fit into the new. It absolutely could. The new yeah. world. Like the feeling of overwhelmed sleeping patterns. Like there is no sleep, you know. It's not even – I remember um, meeting a, a physio, like, for you know, the vagina. Yes. And uh, – <laughs> Important, Yeah. And her saying, you know, how are your bowel movements? And I was like, are you joking? Do you think I can poo? Like, do you think there's <laughs> yeah. any time? Like, it was laughable. Like, yes. I, my yeah. world is on its head. Um, I'm not right. pooping or showering or eating or anything. So I think it's, is it, when it gets to the kind of um, darker and not, like the non-stop cycle of that. Yeah, and I think if it's consuming you um, and you have an inability to find joy or um, there is a test that you can take online, it's called the Edinburgh test, um, which will give you an indication on where you sit um, in terms of postnatal depression. My only caution with taking this is that 
you know, I would encourage someone to do it in the presence of somebody else so that whatever your answer is, you're not going to backtrack and change it to get a better score or, Mm. um, you know, um, so that you can just be true with whatever the answer comes out as, because if you need help, then, you know, you're going to want to get that. I think that's really helpful, that website. In your position with doing your rounds and seeing all of these women postpartum, what would you say the top three things are that women are most overwhelmed or concerned by? Feeding. Yeah. Baby not sleeping. And then a, and a loss of themselves. Do they mention that so early? They don't mention it that early, but they will say just sort of little comments, like uh, just like an adjustment thing, like, oh, I haven't had time to do this for me or get up or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, like you just wait kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think that's a really important part of the conversation identity Mm -hmm. you know and it's something I really struggled with before I even fell pregnant was I love my life I love myself I don't you know I'm selfish I don't know how much of my world I can surrender and I think sometimes we get caught up in not even thinking that part. We just get excited (laughs) and we're pregnant and all of that's so fun. And then the reality hits and it, I'm kind of there again now where I'm like, holy moly, I'm going to have two children and I'm already a slave to one, right? Like I am his, he's the tiny dictator and I do and you know what I mean? Every yeah, single I know. thing. Yeah. And then I do I wanted to do it again. You know, like it, of course there's all of the beauty and joy, of course. But I think it is a real shock that we live these selfish lives, have no understanding what our parents went through, and then we're, you know, the snack bitch and we're the bitch yeah. and we're the batch. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Like, and I've had some experience with a psychiatrist with a woman who had postnatal depression and you know what he prescribed her part of his prescription of her care was that she took time to find something she enjoyed and she couldn't be reliant on anybody else for it because you know you need to fill your cup right it can't be I'm gonna do a dance class but then I need a partner because if you don't have your partner you're not gonna dance right so you need to find and and we can do this whether or not we have postnatal depression is finding something that is going to fulfill you because you're gonna lose part of your life you know you're not going to be able to do the same things that you used to be able to but if you love a bubble bath or if you love Grey's Anatomy or if you love going to the mall on a Thursday night then make that happen yeah. I, I, I think for anyone listening that doesn't have a child, yeah. it's going to be <laughs> like, a shock, but it yes. is, and it is, it's a, it's a true shock. Yeah. Um, and it starts the minute that baby comes out, you know, absolutely everything, everything you know to be true is different. So the identity crisis and then moving into 
the partner dynamic. Oh, yeah, big. Because I'm sure you've seen the spectrum. Yeah, and I felt it myself in my own in my own relationship. Like my husband and I have been married 15 years this year. Wow. And yeah, and when we had our third baby, man, we'd been married probably over 10 years, but we have never fought so much. And I think it was just three children. And they're boys. I mean, you don't want three boys. I mean, you do. They're wonderful, yeah. but they're also <laughs> intense. <laughs> but, you know, I think... Like we were just, we'd forgotten us because like you said, you know, you're dictated by these children. Everything that you do is for them. And and we had forgotten to put importance on our relationship. Mm. And so it's really important that you date each other or spend time away from your, look, it can be an hour. You don't have to go away for a week. Um, Just time together. I think it is crucial because the day-to-day slog, especially in the early days of like, who's doing the laundry? Are we eating? Did you go the yeah. with milk? Like <laughs> everything is so tense. And um, if you don't have your village supporting you and it is just you and your partner, it, it is about logistics you, and you've got other children. It's like, who's dropping? Who's picking up? I need to, you know, feed or, uh, and I think um, you become you know, housemates uh, really quickly. And it is tricky because the mother who might may be feeding um, and tending to the newborn more so than the father, mm-hmm. that can change depending on dynamic, mm-hmm. um, can also make the father feel redundant at times. Yes, yes. Um, and perhaps even resentful, you know, and I think that can be incredibly sad for the woman because she's already <laughs> in this position of complete overwhelm, pain, all of the things we've already listed. And then to have a partner that feels disconnected and not on her team is a tricky one as well. So what, what do you do? I mean, the date thing's great, but when you see or you've witnessed a couple in a bit of disarray, do you have services or do you uh, suggest services to help them? Look, the only one that is coming to my head right now is PADA. So it stands for Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Altered. And I bring this up because men can get postnatal depression too. You know, they can feel so overwhelmed by being a new father. Um, and this website has a section dedicated to dads. And so, and that's important. You know, when I was preparing our workshop, I found it really hard to find useful resources on this topic. Um, it is a little bit lacking. I think because the women have dominated yeah. the space and we've yeah. kind of forgotten that the men go yeah, feelings it. too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and even for women too, you know, here in New Zealand, um, there isn't actually anyone formally responsible for assessing the needs, the postpartum mental health of mothers. Uh, it does happen. Like a GP will ask, a midwife will ask, Plunker will ask, but it's no one's job. Um, you know, it doesn't fall on anyone. Um, and which is a shame given the fact that like maternal, our high, you know, suicide is the, our, the number reason why our mothers die. Wow. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. Is that a New Zealand stat or is that? Uh, it is New Zealand, but we rank very highly in the world for that. So tell me more about that. 
you know, I don't know what the reason is why we can't close that gap. Um, it could be because of a lack of service or for the fact, like I just said, that there isn't anybody responsible for for providing that care. I'm, what we know is the reason why women don't come forth is fear, fear of um, judgment of losing their baby uh, or their baby being taken from them. Um, and it's a shame. I, I, I really hate it because we are so forthcoming if we have, um, you know, any other illness or injury to our bodies. So, so why can't we have that same compassion and empathy for the mind? I signed the petition. I wasn't the person that um, started the petition, but there was one circulating recently about improving the postpartum care here in New Zealand. I mean, this included public floor because we're deeply deprived in that arena as well um and the maternal mental health of women i know you probably don't know all the ins and outs of it but is it a specific time frame is it in the fourth trimester or is it is there no specifics i don't think there's any specific um but what i do know is that midwifery care ends somewhere between four and six weeks and this often is identified outside of that time frame so um women it's almost like women need to take responsibility for their care because unless you're willing to go and see somebody about it there's kind of no one there checking on you you, you know what i mean like and then you don't you, know what you don't know that's right, so this is why it's so important that you know what it is and what to do if you recognize it in your life wow wow i feel really floored by that yeah because living in a developed country with the resources and them not meeting the need of the woman is truly shocking and the impact on that family. Mm. So I can't tell you the statistics of how many women lose their lives due to suicide in the, you know, in that first year of motherhood. Um, but I know that it is higher than it should be. Gosh. Okay. So what we're really hearing here is in the fourth trimester we need to be supporting or finding resources that are affordable for women or free for women and families to access, which I believe some European countries have in place. Like really, oh, they do. They do. So I talk about, um, you know, we prepared to buy a car seat in a cot, right? Yes, yes. And so we should prepare and put aside money to see a woman's health physiotherapist because it's not funded here in New Zealand. Um, so, you know, we should prepare for these things. Um, we should have a postpartum plan that talks about, you know, who is the woman's health physio in your region? Who are the lactation consultants? Who, what are the maternal mental health services? Put aside that money, know who and where to go. Yeah. A running theme of this whole podcast series has been at your baby shower or baby blessing or whatever you're doing, whenever someone says, what can I get you or can I help? It isn't things, no, no cute toys, no rattles, no anything. It's support. So 
maybe you have a little kitty or an online bank account that people can just pop in 20 bucks, 50 bucks yeah. for you to be able to have resources. Or well, even like, you know, have you heard of the thing called meal train where yes, someone, yeah, it. it's yeah. so great. Like that, you know, like just not being prideful enough and just saying, Hey, you know what, what I'd really love is if you set up a meal train for me, <laughs> you know? Yes. Cause <laughs> I, I think it's one of those things that, that, the pressure is taken away, you know, yeah. we just want the mum to be able to turn up like they did in the olden days yep. for the baby and the cleaning and cooking and the help around for the other children was kind of done by the tribe. And we don't have that. And I think that is so sad about modern society is we have things, we have so many things, but we don't have community and we don't have people that we can just fall back on. So important. So even if you're listening to this and you don't have a child or you're not there yet, I think putting your hand up and investing in your community that needs you will come back tenfold when you need them. Absolutely. I want to move on now to let's say postpartum aids. So things that you find crucial, because we will all go and buy the things. That's the problem <laughs> with society. What you believe as a midwife are really helpful. Let's go first through birth and then postpartum. Okay. Birth, look, I see time and time again, women show up to delivery suite with like suitcases. I have no idea. <laughs> I had a lot of things. <laughs> I don't know what is in the suitcase, so um, but less is more like, uh, you're going to want to do skin to skin. So we don't need beautiful pajamas or um, fancy bras because it's all coming off. Okay. Yes. Um, so my like the thing that I used the most was truly my dressing gown I can't I mean I loved that thing uh I could tuck a little baby down inside I could wrap it up if anybody came over I could feed in it um like that is worth investing that is my number one um because really like a baby is going to be born no matter what I mean you can Sure, a heat pack might be helpful or a TENS machine, but, I mean, we never quite know how it's going to go, do we? Okay, so silk pillowcases and fresh coconuts <laughs> are just, uh, <laughs> just excess. They're excess. Okay. Hey, look, I think some good music is useful, so maybe your Yui Boom, I, I, I don't know, but um, I, I, I don't think you need your, um, your suitcase either. <laughs> Oh my an gosh. overnight bag. I know. I had it. I did have a suitcase and I had an overnight bag. I had a yes. lot of things. <laughs> and I feel like there, it's funny because I only birthed three years ago, but there's yes. more things out. That's right. You know, there's like a water spray for your face that is Ooh. like a fan. It's like a fan Ooh, water wow. spray. And then there's a water spray for your fanny. Wow. Yes, I knew about that one. The, when you do wheeze. Yes. Um, they're so hey, look, we've got old-fashioned ice chips and we've got fans. Like, <laughs> that's... <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. The same yeah. thing. So you really just need to turn up with your dressing gown oh, and, and that's something it. something to dress your baby in. You need comfortable clothes. You need... I mean, you don't even need breast pads because your milk is not going to be in in the time frame that you're in the hospital. Right? Unless you were already leaking, but that's unlikely. You know, we even supply the pads. I mean, you, you don't even need those. And the nappies. And the nappies. You need something comfortable for you to wear. Mm -hmm. You need 
some food that you enjoy because that you're going to want that after you've had the baby and you need some clothing for your baby. That's it. It's so simple. So simple. And moving into, say, the first week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's a big one. What would you say is quite helpful? Perineal spray. Definitely. Or some sort of serum to make padsicles, uh, something for your nipples. Uh, padsicles, so, is that what you just called it? Yeah, padsicles. You know how they put <laughs> ice and some sort of serum? Yeah, you, you want that. So, no, tell me. So, um, for those that don't know, you're mm-hmm. wetting a pad. You are. And then you're adding a serum that is healing? Yes, you are. Um, it will and then come you with freeze something. it. And then you freeze it. You could okay. just have you could just have water. You don't need the serum because the ice alone will be nice and cool. I didn't have serum. That is, a, I'm writing that note down. Mm-hmm. What, yeah, write that down. <laughs> what serum? Like, what is something you can put? Uh, so, witch hazel is good. Okay. Um, you'll find some botanists who will make stuff. If you googled, you'd be able to find something. Okay, perennium yeah. serum. Some sort of yeah. Uh, something for your breasts. So a nipple cream, um, or hydrogel discs or silver. Oh my God. Can I just say those <laughs> hydrogel discs in the fridge? In the fridge. There's nothing like it. No, you can even cut them to, you know, get more use out of them. Or silverette. Uh, I'm, I've seen a lot of women have good, um, outcomes using silverette cups. They're these little cups that are actually made from silver. Um, that you put on your nipples. They're really good for healing. So I have just got my hands on these because these went around three years ago. These are a no, new thing. They're new to me too, yeah. But it's also quite old school. Like it's literally just a piece of silver metal it that is. has like a nipple indentation. That's um, right. And supposedly does great things. So nipple care, fanny care. Yeah. You've already got your dressing gown, so you're sorted. Uh, and then... So my three, I talk about the three P's. So it is a plan for your pelvic floor, your mental health, and then your fridge and freezer. Um, so I really, I saw a woman's health physio after I had my second baby. Um, and she had me wear like, um, like compression tights, you know, like a Spanx kind like of. Like an SRC type. Like an SRC. That's what I had. I had SRC. Um, and I wore them for three months. And <gasps> I tell you, yeah, yeah, wow. it makes a world of difference. Because if you think about it, you can be a bit slack in your core, but this will engage your core and really, and when you engage your core, you lift your pelvic floor. Uh, so you're going to have less trouble with that if you wear these. I really believe in them so there is that or if you're um uncomfortable in leggings or bike shorts you can also get the belly bands there's lots of different types right tubey grip yeah yes they just um hold you and i think make you feel grounded yeah we'll discuss that in another episode but i also want to say there is too much kegeling such oh, yes. a thing because I did that and you then problem, you overkegel <laughs> and then the vagina physio will say like she's I've just been to her recently coming mm-hmm. up to this new baby and I haven't even kegeled this is just still from three years ago <laughs> um she's just she had to internally massage me on the left because wow. I was still so tight wow um, so it's a I think you've got to check in with your female physio yes that's why it's important that we prepare for that you know put some money aside since it isn't funded and have some appointments yeah 
because it is it is something that yes leading up to the birth you can do and work with but you can also do damage both ways so we all know the birth can we've got prolapses and all the different things that can come um and we want to avoid those but i think having someone some kind of continuity of care with your vagina is really paramount you know if that's the way you choose to birth yes because you want to be able to recover from that like you didn't have a baby and that's, that's possible. right. That is possible. You, you want to be able to jump on the trampoline. You want to be able to run, you know, and do all of those yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, tricky. <laughs> and, it, and it is your right. Like it's your God-given right to be able to return to health. Yes. So we've kind of covered mental health. We've covered physical health, the things we need in hospital and when we're out. And you mentioned fridge and freezer, which is taking us then into the home. I'm assuming that's your food train and the food accessible so you don't have to cook and things. Is there anything else? Because, you know, we can buy all of the things in the world that you go are really, you just see time and time again that women are using in the home? Practical things that off the top of my head that I know people love are like a wrap carrier. Um, This is also controversial. Why is that controversial? I think because of the hip how babies hips oh, are so some yeah. people will want a structured carrier or this carrier or that carrier I personally like a wrap carrier for new babies I just think they're so snug in one of those um and it and it gives you free hands it, it, it means you can do things there's two types right there's the really soft ones that you wrap around and then like the baby Bjorn type that's right like a more structured kind of carrier okay. yeah sleep aids I see this a lot but uh, one that I see o- used over and over again is a wool babe sleep sack. It's for outside of the fourth trimester, probably about three or four months. But what is babies, it? It's a wool babe sleep sack. And what it is is it's made from merino wool. And I believe babies wake a lot of the time because they're cold. Yeah. And so this is a little uh, like a sleeping bag that you zip them up into and then they are snug and they should sleep longer. Um I personally rate them like I've used them with all my children and it transforms. I've never even heard of them. That's awesome. Oh, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. I think they may even be an Australian brand. I I do worry about merino wool overheating, but you don't find that. No, merino's good at um, wicking moisture as well. It's the best fabric. Best. Oh, awesome. Okay. And what about, this is another controversial one and I'm, you probably can't answer it, but okay. oil heaters, you know, the old, um, oh, yeah. they're kind of seen um, as the safest option for, cause we're, we're in winter. Yes. What do we do? Well, a wool babe, <laughs> what it comes with is a room thermometer and it tells you how many layers you need underneath. So that would be what I would be investing in. Um, so Consumer Magazine, I think, says that the temperature of the room should be about 21 degrees. Yeah. Um, look, I don't know. I've not had to use heaters in my home. It's just sort of been warm enough with, like, a heat pump to be able to maintain the temperature. I don't have a – I worry about it getting too stuffy. Um mm. 
I guess, and does the thermostat work? Can you put it on a timer? All of those it's not, things. Yeah. You know, all of those things. Because it's not always, I mean, it's usually kind of only cold from like 3 to 5 a.m. or something like that, you know. Yes. It's not cold. Yeah. You almost want a smart heater that turns on. Yeah. Uh, you kind of, you don't need it on from And you will p.m. notice your babes will wake if they're cold at that time. And you'll oh, be yes. like, oh, my God, I just fed yeah. you a tube. <laughs> now you're awake and they're cold. Yeah. So, no, I don't know too much about the tube. The heaters, but there is a recommended um, room temperature. I believe it's about 21 degrees for a new baby or any any child, actually. So we've got a sleep sack. We have food in the fridge. Are there any aids for mum, like apart from the booby and the fanny support? Look, I you need to have clothing that you're comfortable in and this includes kind of feeding clothing if that's if you are going to breastfeed there's plenty on the market now um there's no sort of point being uncomfortable um I've done that I've kind of made do and then always wished that I had bought things that I was comfortable in yes um and I know that that's not a luxury everybody can have but if you can um, investing in some pieces because it's it's a handful you know you've got a bag on one arm and a baby in another arm and then you're trying to adjust your clothing because they don't quite fit right anymore and yeah um, I'm there. I'm there yeah girl. yeah so <laughs> yeah I think um we have definitely covered so much fascinating stuff especially from a midwife's point of view I thank you mm-hmm. so much but oh, if there welcome. was one thing you could only say one thing to a new mum in the fourth trimester, what piece of advice would it be? I would tell her that she is capable of doing all of this, um, that she, you know, it's her innate divine purpose to have this baby that has been specifically given to her. So I would do my best to fill her with confidence and prepare her and so that she knows and can be confident in her mothering. Mm, so great thank you for talking to us today you're welcome Zoe I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep if it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at what's the deep catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started